So you picked a great day to be here. We got some awesome folks, just a mighty man of God and his lovely wife are here, all the way from Crown Point, Indiana. And before y'all, you know, judge him as a Yankee uh, from because he's north of the Mason-Dixon line, y'all, uh, they are awesome, mighty couple for the kingdom of God. And we got Dr. Ron and his amazing wife, Miss Mary. And did anybody go to the marriage conference last night? Yeah, it was so awesome. So awesome. Thank you guys for leading such a great conference and event for us. And it was just great. And so I'm really excited to hear what the Lord's laid on his heart to share with us today. And so y'all are going to be blessed, I promise you. Before I invite him up here, I want to share one cool little thing about their church. They're the pastors of Living Stones Church in Crown Point, Indiana. It's also where we uh, host our Band of Brothers North Conference once a year, usually in the beginning of October. So, but when COVID hit, y'all remember COVID, right? Uh, they were one of the only churches that stayed open. And because of their faithfulness and their truth that they stood in, their church since COVID has tripled in size. That's pretty awesome. Let's give God a hand for that. <laughs> only God could do something like that. And so God honors that type of faith. And so we're, I'm just real excited to have them. Y'all stand to your feet, and I'll give these folks an awesome Holly Pond welcome. Amen. Y'all come up. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Thanks, everybody. We've had an amazing time since we've been here. Got to do uh, some leadership breakfast yesterday morning. Got to do the marriage get-together last night. Get to spend some time with you guys this morning. This is three years, three and a half years. And how many, how many of you are new here this morning, first Sunday? I want to know, first Sunday, all right. Yeah, but you're a, you're a veteran, though. You you're just came here for a Sunday, but you're a veteran. So this, I'm talking to family, basically, this morning. All right, that's good. Because I feel like this, I want to talk to you like family, if that's okay. This message uh, is so foundational to where this campus goes. If you can get the DNA about what I'm talking about on life-giving relationships. How I many you know people don't come back to church week after week just to hear me preach or to hear your pastors preach, although you, you have great pastors. And I want to thank you guys for the privilege of being here today. Um, but that's not, you know, if I, asked, if I asked 100 people at our church, what did I preach about three weeks ago? No one would know because they're not coming back uh, because of my awesomeness in the pulpit, although we want to preach the word well. I'll tell you why people come to your church because of relationships, Amen. period. If they connect, they'll be back. If they like you, they'll be back. If the preacher preaches bad, they'll be back. Um, uh, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. It's the truth, though, isn't it? And so I, I really want to build on the ground that Pastor Keith has laid, and I want to thank you for sharing him with us up in Crown Point a couple weeks ago. Uh, our people just absolutely loved him. And I got some folks that are from Alabama. I mean, they talk just like y'all. They got the same... <laughs> Same accent. I told him, I said, I'm bringing him in here just to keep you all happy because uh, I know how much you miss home. Um, but you guys truly are a family to us. You're part of the same tribe. Um, you are covenant, you know, in relationship with a network of related pastors. And so your, your victories are our victories and your struggles are our struggles. And we're just celebrating with you. But what a beautiful job you've done on this campus. And I love that the Liberty DNA is being dropped in Holly Pond, all right, and, uh, and it's taking root and it's spreading, all right, but I want to I share with you about life-giving relationships, and in the series that you've been in on Choose Life, uh, you realize that God is setting before us choices, and he sets big choices before us. We can choose life, we can choose death, and then he exhorts us like a good father. He says, come on, y'all, you know, cho let's choose life. 
But I wish that all you had to do was make one choice and then that settled it. But every day we make choices, amen? Uh, in our marriages, we make choices. Uh, whether we're going to lay our lives down and, and love one another, uh, whether we're going to keep honoring the Lord, pursuing holiness and righteousness, whether we're going to uh, be people of integrity. I mean, those choices every day. Well, you had choices today. I'm going to get up and go to church. I'm going to stay home. I mean, we have choices all the time. And so uh, we have to continually to choose, choose life. You talked about faith over fear. You talked about prayer over panic. You talked about wisdom over worry. All those are choices. But I want to talk to you today about four relational forks in the road. These are, these are choices we have to make in our relationships every day. And I want to speak to you, too, in terms of people that are part of this church family right here. Because the quality of the relationships that you build at this church will really determine the trajectory of its growth. Um, and, and I can't stress that enough. So, so these are four relational forks in the road that you're continually going to have to examine and continually have to make good choices, all right? Look with me on the screen. I, I, this is from the Passion Translation, so it's a paraphrase. Um, and Pastor Ian, what is my landing time again? Just so I'm looking up there. It says 5 o'clock on the left. I'm thinking. Okay, great. No, I will honor that. Okay, look at Proverbs 27, verse 9. It says, Sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. First of all, how many of you know we're made for a relationship? And, and there are people in this community that need deep connection. They need people in their lives. Sometimes they don't know it, but we're made for a relationship. And I want you to see what life-giving friendships do to us. The first point is they refresh our souls. Have you ever been around some good folks and you leave? And this is the way church should be every Sunday. When you leave, you should feel refreshed. That should be the goal of our worship, of our word, of our times together. How about in our communication with each other? You know, when you leave certain people, you just feel good. Uh, and usually those people are focused on you. They're not focused on themselves. So how are you doing? How was your week? How was that situation? How does the, how's the surgery go? How's your child? I mean, you're speaking life and you're loving people, refreshing people. Notice, secondly, good life-giving friendships fill our hearts with joy. I believe with all my heart when you come together on Sunday morning, there should be a tangible sense of the presence of God manifest through joy. In fact, I believe one of the things that God's people should be known for is the quality of joy in our lives. And I always tell people, you don't always have to feel joy. Just smile. And it, it's amazing how if you just choose to smile, joy will follow. But if you choose to frown, people will think you're mad at them all the time and they'll run from you. All right? Life-giving friendships also br literally bring us into the presence of God. If you've ever hung around toxic people, you literally feel after you're done being with them like you just had your spirit sucked into hell. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But when you're around life-giving people, you sense the presence of God. Life-giving conversations. So once again, we're full of joy. And I highlighted this this morning. This has been one of the most profound and yet simple truths that I want to distill in your hearts if you haven't heard it yet. But I've always been stunned by the fact that we worship a God who has no needs. Right? He doesn't have any needs. If he had any needs, then he wouldn't be God. So he has no needs. So here's the question. What do you bring him on Sunday morning? What do you have to offer? It's a great question. It's like, what do you buy the, the father that has everything? You know, you buy him a new tie. No, he's got a hundred of those. Buy him a sweater. No, he's got sweater. What do you bring to God? There's only one thing 
that we bring to God, and ready for this, it's our enjoyment of Him. Isn't that, isn't that simple but crazy? Like, so my heart, when we come together on Sunday morning, I, I have one goal in mind, no matter what kind of week I've had. I want to create joy in my spirit for God Himself. That's why the worship team, you all do such a beautiful job helping bring us into the presence of the Lord. And so where there's joy, there's the presence of the Lord. Where there's the presence of the Lord, people literally get touched when they come in our midst. And, and I just, you know, I'll throw this out here to you guys. Make it your, make it your goal that the life-giving relationships that are here are so tangible and that the joy of God is so tangible and the presence of the Holy Spirit so tangible that when people from the community come in, they literally are undone by, by the presence of God. I mean, we see people crying. They're just like, what is going on? It's that presence from another world, you know, that descends on the congregation. And, uh, and it comes through life-giving friendships. That's, that's the koinonia that happens. Now, I want to encourage you all. If you're in ministry and you're leading, and most of you are doing that on this campus, you'll run into folks that say this. I, I've heard, had them in my house. Pastor, I came to your church, and I just couldn't get connected. They, they call it my church. They were doing, like, I own the church, you know. <laughs> no, I don't own the church. I just go here like you. But they say, they, well, no, well, you know, I know the, the church is supposed to be loving, but nobody loved me. Nobody reached out to me. You know? Let me just tell you. The best way to receive life-giving friendships is to be a life-giving person. And, and so when I preach this message, and we'll give you four decisions, don't think about it in terms of your neighbor or your pastor. Apply these to yourself personally, because I'm, I'm giving you secrets to having a rich set of relationships that constantly feed you. Amen. But how many of you know we reap what we sow, and if we don't learn to be life-givers in our relationships, we'll never receive it back. And many people feel that way because they've never learned how to make these choices. So let's look at choice number one, if you're taking notes. First, first choice that we're confronted with. Are we going to go through life alone, or are we going to go through life with others? Are we going to be isolated, or are we going to be connected? And are we becoming currently more connected, or are we becoming more disconnected in our relationships with others? Now, let's just be honest here. How many of you know it's a risky thing to be involved in relationships with people? Inanimate objects are much more predictable, you know. I had a trucker tell me one time he was having marital problems. He ended up getting a divorce, and, and he said, you know, I just, I don't want to be with anybody. I just want to be in my cab with my dog. And I looked at him, and I said, brother, that is a prescription for a pretty miserable, boring, rotten life when the best relationship you have is with your dog in the front of your cab driving down the highway. It's risky having relationships with people, but it's worth it. Yeah. And most of us have been hurt. And can I just pop everybody's bubble, too? Some of us even have been hurt at church. Yeah. And people get surprised by that. Well, I'm not supposed to be hurt at church. Well, who comes to church? Broken people, yeah. including your pastor. Yeah. We're, all, we're all on the process of getting healed. And so, you know, Jesus was really sarcastic with the, with the Pharisees one time. They were getting on him because he hung out with broken people, sinners, despicable, scum of the earth. When you look at the original language there, I mean, they were the Pharisees were hard on Jesus. And Jesus said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't come for you folks. I just came for sick people. Now, the irony is Jesus is totally sarcastic, right? Because the Pharisees are the sickest bunch as you can get. I mean, you know, religious sick people are the worst. And, and, and can I just plead with y'all, don't be a religious place. Be a place that loves broken people. And, uh, and so Jesus loved broken people. But, but here's my point. We're in a, this is a hospital. And you know what? 
I won't always do it right. Your pastors won't always do it right. Sometimes, you know, we're busy. Our minds are on things. I've walked past people before because my mind was so preoccupied, and they got hurt because they thought I was being mean to them. And I'm like, no, I'm not being mean to you. I'm just, I was just socially inept, all right? But you're going to have all kinds of opportunities to get a hurt at church. Some people say this to you. You know, I just don't have time to really get connected to church. I'm just too busy. And I know you all are getting ready to start your life group semester and all those kind of things. I, I literally pleaded with our congregation a few months ago before we were getting ready to start our life group semester. And I said, look, I love you all. I want to know everybody's name. I want to know everybody's story. But that's physically impossible for one person. So I need you to get involved in a life group and get connected with a group of people who know your birthday, who know your anniversary, who know when you're struggling, who know, when you're, who know everything about your life. Because I don't want you to fall through the cracks. But how many of you know the devil wants you to fall through the cracks? In fact, if you're too busy and you're too hurt to get plugged in with people, you will be isolated. You will choose the path of isolation. And if you choose the path of isolation, you're literally falling into Satan's hand. Because what Satan loves to do, remember the demonized guy in the Bible? It says that the devils would drive him to lonely, barren, isolated places. I don't know about you, but I am not good by myself. Uh, if I had to spend the rest of eternity by myself, I, it would not be a good ending. Thank God for my dear wife. Thank God for people that love me. Thank God for the body of Christ. I need people in my life. So don't ever get so wounded or so busy that you feel like you're just going to go through life by yourself. There are a lot of broken people sitting by themselves we have a mental health crisis now. We have a suicide crisis now. COVID helped, of course, to expedite all that. Um, but we need each other. And so don't do it alone. Um, look at what it says here. I'm going I'm to skip a couple verses, all right, just for the sake of time. Uh, look at Hebrews chapter 10. How, how do we connect? This verse was strategic in us determining that we're not going to shut our doors. Because look at what it says here. So how, how do we get life-giving relationships? The writer says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. So right there's our answer. How do you build life-giving relationships? You have to meet together. Now, during COVID, how many of you guys did online services, Liberty Online, and everybody was at home for a season? We did that thing, too. Now, I, did, I was joking around this morning. Do you know how miserable it is for a pastor to watch himself preach on TV and call that church? It's terrible. I was down in my basement with my wife and my sweet kids and the grandbabies and the dog, and there was all kinds of, there's toddlers, there's everything all in our basement, and I'm trying to be anointed enough talking to a camera, which that wasn't fun to do either, was it talking to a camera? Hi, everybody. There's no response out there. Is everybody out there? Hello, somebody left. It's terrible. I quickly realized God did not make us to do church on TV, sit at home in our living rooms in our underwear for crying out loud. Come on. He said, don't pull away and don't neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. Can anybody give me an amen on that? We need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. And notice when you come together, it's really important if it's going to be a life-giving gathering, there's a couple ingredients here. Notice the first one, encourage each other. And notice the second one, urge each other onward or forward, which means there's two things that need to happen every time we get together, encouragement and faith. Now, we had a service in our early days, and, and some of you guys, you know when you're planting a church, my mom and dad did that in the early days, you attract some really hurting, broken people. 
And one dear person stood up, I kid you not, stood up in our church service and started prophesying. They said, I feel like the Holy Spirit is just really mad at everybody this morning. And then they started sharing this inspired vision they were getting, and they blamed the Holy Spirit for the vision. Here was the vision. I see a giant toilet bowl, and God just wants to flush you all down the toilet. He's so mad at you. Now, how many of you know, after that encouraging word, <laughs> I'm surprised people weren't racing for the doors. It is very hard to recover that service. First of all, clarification. When the Holy Spirit's speaking, he's never mad. He's sometimes grieved, but he's never mad. In fact, most of the time, he's not trying to correct you. He's trying to encourage you. Secondly, God's not trying to flush us down the toilet. The devil is. The devil might have a giant commode, and he's trying to flush But God's intention for us today is not to flush you. He's trying to encourage you to move forward. And so when you leave church, if you're part of a life-giving church, there should be encouragement in your spirit, and you should have a vision to go take some ground. In other words, you should have more fire in your step than you had before you got here. Otherwise, you're at the wrong place. You're not at a life-giving place. Let me skip on down. So that's the first one. Let's look at point number two. The second choice you got to make is, are you going to be counterfeit or are you going to be real? Now, Jesus had a lot of encouraging words for lots of people, but there's only one group of people that he really had some strong language for. And I like these passages because it kind of pops the Jesus nice and kind, the group hug cinnamon roll Jesus and kind of puts a little bit of balance, because Jesus said some really, really strong things. Only to one group of people. Anybody know who they were? The Pharisees. And the, Pharise- the word Pharisee is synonymous in our time with hypocrite. Jesus had zero tolerance for religious folk. And I want you to hear, this is some strong language. This is a modern paraphrase, but it captures the, the strength of this language. Look at Matthew 23 with me. Jesus speaking, thus saith the Lord, you're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You burnish the surface of your cups and bowls so that they sparkle in the sun, while the insides are maggoty, filled with maggots, with your greed and gluttony. Stupid Pharisees, scour the insides, and then the gleaming surface will actually mean something. And he goes on in verse 27, Jesus is on a roll. You hopeless, you're, he says, you're hopeless, you religious scholars and Pharisees and frauds. You're like these manicured grave plots. The grass is all clipped, the flowers are all bright, but six feet down is all rotting bones and worm-eating flesh. People look at you and they think you're saints, but beneath the skin, you're total frauds. Ouch! I mean, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are totally turned off on the church because that's exactly what they think. Because guess what? They work with us. They go to the shopping center with us. They're like, dude, you're an elder at such and such church. You're an usher at such and such church. You're a Sunday school teacher. And then they see the double lifestyle because we all come to church and we're trying to be something that we're not. Can I just encourage you from the very beginning of this work? Pursue authenticity. Recognize we're all broken. 
create an environment where people can be honest, where they can come for prayer and deal with anything. If you will establish a foundation based on authenticity, you'll be a magnet for broken people. And that's the very people Jesus died. This, the last thing you want to happen is a bunch of Bible Belt, Southern, religious, veneered, whitewashed sepulchers coming to church and pretending that there's something that they're not. There's a lot of places you can go and do that. Don't make your gathering one of those places. Make it a place where you're not a poser. You're somebody who's actually living the life. You're, you're, you're laying your life down. You're being real. What you see is what you get. Look what Ephesians chapter 4 says. What this has up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretense or pretending. Tell your neighbor the truth. In God's body, we're all connected to each other after all. And listen to this. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. That's a powerful word, isn't it? Authenticity creates powerful bonds because we can all relate to pain and imperfection. I have found this to be the case. One of the most powerful sermon series that, that we ever had at our church, we had in the last year, was on the topic of shame. I started off, I usually preach in terms of like a month-long sermon series. This went on for about three months because I realized once I got into the Bible, the Bible's full of people dealing with shame. And guess what? Our churches are full of people dealing with shame. There's stuff that's happened to us in the past. There's stuff that was done to us. There's stuff we did to others. People are trapped with all kinds of things that are embarrassing and shameful to them. The devil just piles on and beats them. And then they come to church and all we do is whitewash it all. And then we wonder why our churches aren't dynamic. We wonder why people aren't flocking to come uh, because well, there's no authenticity. There's no, there's no rawness. There's no realness. We're we're not, we're not uh, releasing the secrets of our hearts so that they can come into the light and be healed. Look what Romans chapter 12 says. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Isn't that good? If I could boil down the secret to successful you know, churches, all right, is simply this. It's a leadership team that's healthy and a leadership team that's committed to loving people. Like, why do we do this? Is it a job? Is it a calling? Is it... We do this because we love people. We love broken people. We love imperfect people. When people know that they're loved, they will come back. When people know that you've connected with them and you care for them, they will be back. Because where on earth do they find relationships like they find in the local church? Let's go to point number three. Choice number three, shortcut or long road. In other words, are you going to choose the easy way or are you going to choose the hard way? Are you going to choose the path of least resistance or the path of God's will? Now, I don't know about you, but I found this to be true. Good relationships take time and consistency. That's why I made a covenant with my wife, and now we've been walking this out for 38 years. Time, consistency. In my younger years, I wasn't as consistent. Ups, downs, emotional ups, emotional downs. But how many of you know as we mature in covenant, because we're committed, I'm not going to leave her or forsake her, I learned to, to, over time, to be consistent in my love for her. It's the same way in our relationships. Like, I've told our people this. How many of you in this room are born again? Wave at me. All right, look around. I want you to look around. We are going to spend eternity with each other. That's a long time. There's, no, there's not going to be a room in heaven where all the people who left Liberty Church to go to Living Stones Church are going to be able to be separate so we never see each other because it's awkward. 
Because we don't, no, no, no. So I tell our people this, you're going to spend eternity with everybody in our church that's born again. The ones who are, who are incredibly broken, the ones who are mildly broken, the ones who are minimally broken, the ones who are incredibly self-centered, the ones who are narcissistic, the ones who are all in process, we're spending eternity together. So let's figure it out now. So we don't have to go into the relational healing class in heaven, you know, room 101. And then God puts you with all the people that you went to church with that you hate. Now, we don't use the word hate, but we hate them. So why don't we figure out how to love and forgive now? Most people take shortcuts as soon as they get offended. You say, well, not people at church. Oh, people at church are experts at taking offenses. Only they lie about it all the time. Sister so-and-so, haven't seen you for a month. Where have you been? Well, I was caught up in the third heaven and had a vision. And God told me to leave the church and to go to the church down the street. I said, you liar, liar, pants on fire. Who offended you? Oh, pastor, I'm not offended. The Holy Spirit. Oh, stop it. People don't leave life-giving churches because of an angelic visitation. It's because somebody ticked them off. Somebody overlooked them. Now, it's a double offense when they lie about it. And they blame the Holy Spirit. That's how deceived we are. We blame the Holy Spirit for taking the shortcut and getting off the highway. What I love about this church is I see many of you who have been with this vision for years and years and years. The two of the last people to leave the building yesterday morning at our breakfast were two men that had been serving Pastor Keith for over 20 years. You know what that tells me, first of all, about your pastor? He knows how to love people well. You know what it tells me about those two men? They've also walked through some disagreements over the years and had an opportunity to be offended and leave. But you know what? They chose not to. And can I just tell you something? When you can look around your church and see people that have been with you on the mountaintops, but also through the valleys, because every church goes through the mountaintops and through the valleys. I'd like to tell you this church is going to be nothing but mountaintops for the rest of your days. It'd be a life from the pit of hell. Your pastor just shared about the incredible supernatural growth that we're having. You know what I'll tell you? We did nothing different. When we were going through hell, we were the same church. We were loving people the same way. When we had people attacking our ministry, leaving our ministry, people got, we weren't doing anything different than we are right now. It's just a different season. That's why I don't get all puffed up and think I'm something special. All I, do, all I think is this. God's given us a thousand relational tests to pass. A thousand opportunities to be offended. It's a test. Will we get off the highway or will we stay on the road? If I told you guys someday I want you all to come to Crown Point, Indiana, you know what I would tell you? Get on I-65 and don't get off. Eventually, you'll land in Crown Point, Indiana. You'll have two exit ramps in Crown Point, Indiana. If you miss the first one, take the second one. If you get on the highway, stay on the highway. Let's put that in the kingdom. We're all going to heaven someday. Get on the highway. Don't, don't quit. Don't get off the road. Stay on the super highway of life-giving relationships. It's going to test you. You're going to have to go low. You're going to have to forgive people. You're going to have to go hug people that you know have said and done things that aren't right. But hug them anyway. 
You know what's happening now? God's sending back to our church people who were part of the split 10 years ago. Because they've been wandering in the wilderness, and all of a sudden they realize, you know, things were pretty good back home under Father's house. And so we're having to go hug a lot of people and love a lot of people. And the Lord just goes, nice job, you passed the test. Nice job, you got a pure heart. Nice job, you're loving that person that's hard to love. Nice job, nice job. The more nice jobs you get, the more promotion you get in the kingdom of God. If you can love the least of these then God will send you some folks that are easier to love. All right, I got to wrap this baby up. Let me see. Can I just say this? Don't break covenant with your leadership team over pathetic reasons. Got to tell you a quick story. One of the families at our church had a wonderful son who started dating one of my wonderful daughters, and the relationship did not end well. There was a lot of hurt, some things that didn't go right, and in my flesh, I would have strangled the young man, buried him in the backyard. At, of course, in the cover of night so no one could see him. <laughs> but you know what? I had a choice to recognize the immaturity and recognize that this was a, a moment for the kingdom to shine. And so, you know, what? we encouraged our daughter to forgive. We forgave. But he came up to me and said, you know, I just feel embarrassed. Uh, this is the father. And he said, I feel like it would be easier if our family just left the church. I said, really? I said, why would you take an exit ramp and basically teach our children that the way to solve problems is just, especially in church, just to leave and go somewhere else? I said, we don't have a problem with you, and our kids are young, and they're going to make mistakes. So why don't we just model for them forgiveness, and why don't we just keep on this journey together? Well, that was about five years ago or something like that, three years ago. Time flies, right? And... Uh, and I uh, went out with him for coffee just the other morning before I came down here. And I looked at him, and we were just talking about all that God's doing in our families and our kids. In fact, a couple weeks ago, my daughter's leading worship at our church. And this young man that she had the falling out with is about five feet away on a support microphone leading worship with her. And I go up to him intentionally because I know how the devil likes to bring in walls or perceived walls so i go out intentionally and hug him every time he's on that stage i'm proud of you because what am i trying to do i want to peel shame away and i want to peel guilt away and i want him to know as his pastor i am committed in covenant love to love him and be committed to his success all the days of his life if we model relationships like this in our local church and see you guys are just beginning so you, your nucleus gets to model this or you can model to your kids pathetic religious relationships where you just get mad, you pout, and you leave the church. And your kids see that about three or four times, and then you wonder why they want nothing to do with church. Well, why would they want anything to go there? They can have petty relationships after high school. Why do they need to go to church to experience immaturity? All right, I got to skip a bunch of good stuff here. How about a good quote, though? This is a good quote. We're all rough drafts of the people we're still becoming. Isn't that a good quote? You're just the rough draft of the person you're becoming. And so is everybody else in your church. So give them some grace and keep loving them. And what will happen is 10 years down the road, if the Lord tears, you look at them and go, wow, you really turned out to be a cool guy. <laughs> Hopefully they'll say that about me, too, as their pastor. Let me end up with the last choice here very quickly. Comfort or change. How many of you know... Our default is we always choose to be comfortable 
over dealing with the pain of change. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you, if you're going to have life-giving relationships, you have got to embrace discomfort. Now, we talked about in John 10, I love the way it says it in the Passion Translation, Jesus says, I've come to give you everything in abundance. What a promise. Yeah. More than you can expect. How about this? Life to its fullness until you overflow. So how many of you know, I don't think any of us have tasted of life in its fullness yet, because fullness is fullness. So let's just say I'm right here on my journey, and fullness is over on that side of the stage. How do I get from where I am to fullness? You can't get there unless you embrace change, because change is what enables you to have greater capacity for the fullness of God. And if you don't like change, you're going to be stuck over here, and in your relationships, you're going to be stuck. And the problem is we don't change until we're made to change. I love what it says here in 2 Corinthians. Paul's writing a letter. It's a rebuke. He says, I don't, I'm not glad I sent the letter because it hurts you. He said, but because the pain caused you to repent and to change your ways. That's the only reason people genuinely change is when the pain of the present is greater than the picture of a preferred future that God wants to take them into. We don't change. Iron sharpens iron, so a friend will sharpen or shape another friend. Speaking honestly, the Bible says, Proverbs 24 is a sign of true friendship. And so I like to ask you all this question. Who do you have in your life? Who do you have in your church that you've given permission to really just give you the final 10%? And these are not people that don't know you. These are people that know you and love you. But I love it when a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter says, hey, how could I have done this better? Give me a little advice. And you're able to say, hey, let's just be honest. You know, this, this is a pattern in your life. How you know if you want to develop as a leader? Like, we've got an elder that invariably shows up late at meetings. It's big frustration to everybody else who's on time. Now, this guy will not change until somebody has the courage to say, you know what? I sure love you. And he actually believes he has a pastoral calling on his life. He's an incredible teacher. But you know what? The brother's going to show up late to his own service. And that won't work very well. So we found this to be the case. You, know, you can't grow leaders if you don't have the courage to tell them the truth. And you'll never become the leader God wants all of you to be in this room unless you trust people to speak into your life. And not just tell you you're awesome, but tell you where you got to grow. In fact, you, you don't even... These folks are not your pastors until they're able to tell you the truth and you can receive it. Otherwise, they're just positive motivational speakers in your life. And as soon as someone has the courage to encourage you, hey, as a husband, be, let's be a better man. Let's not be so selfish. Or, hey, let's bring that anger under control. Yeah. And I'm holding you accountable for it. You're, you're killing your wife. And they can receive it. Now you're on the verge of change, and now you're, now you're moving towards leadership. And I'll say this. My people would say this about my dad. Your father was the first person to tell me the truth about myself. And when he did, I hated it. And I hated him. But now, because I took it, and I realized because he loved me, I'm a better man. And I can't tell you how many men went to that funeral with tears running down their face and with size 12 shoe prints on their behind because <laughs> my father not only loved them, but my father challenged them. And, and I would challenge every especially men. Hey, guys, someday we're going to be dead. We need at least six guys to carry our casket. Hopefully they're not strangers, 
Hopefully they're people that we know and we love and we built relationship with and that were able to give us the final 10%. And hopefully all six of those men have tears in their eyes because they loved you and they had a great relationship with you. This is, this is what you guys have a chance to build here, to be the most loving, life-giving place in town where people are knocking the doors down to be a part of what's happening here because they've never felt such love before. And they've never felt so safe before. They've never been in a place where they can be real. Why not this place? Why not here? Why not now? Why not a little bastion of heaven right here in Holly Pond, Alabama, where broken people and lonely people and lost people can come and really truly be loved? Amen? That's a great vision right there. Last thing, you know, I know pastors who have a model where they come to church early, they spend time with the Lord, and they are in there in the Holy of Holies until it's time to preach, and then they run out on stage, and they, they preach, and then they run back off stage, and you don't see them again for a week. They're so holy, they're unapproachable. I like to get to church early and spend time in the Holy of Holies so that I can be the first one greeting all of our people when they come in. And what do I do? I'm running around touching as many people as I can, not as a strategy. People know when it's a strategy. Not as a strategy, but because I love our people. Now, that's just not what pastors do. I mean, that's what people do. That's what life-giving relationships do. You, you look for people to encourage and to love. And it all starts with a smile. So you major on love, and you'll be knocking walls out of this place. And you major on keeping the relationship strong and healthy, and you will have a relational infrastructure in which God can do crazy awesome stuff. So hop to your feet. In fact, we got enough room. I want everybody, this is an altar call for everybody. I want you all up here, and, and we're going to form a nice big oval. Grab the hand of your neighbor next to you, all right? Right here in this nice concrete. If we have to spill on the stage, we got room on the stage. But it's kind of a family, family gathering today. Y'all swing around this way, and we'll, we'll close in the circle. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, sure. Hey, let's, how many of you are committed to making four good choices on relationships today? All right, you with me? Uh, we're in this for the long haul. We want to be changed. We want to love well. So, Father, as we gather together with this beautiful family here, thank you that you've planted Liberty Church right here in this community. Lord, you know all the, the, the pain, the tears, the brokenness that's behind all of these doors and windows in this town. And, Lord, I just pray that this would be such a bright place, such a light place, a place of joy, a place of fun, a place of freedom. Lord, we thank you. Pastor Ian and Jessica, and Father, I just, I just pray that the calling on their lives, God, for this community, Lord, that you would establish them, that you'd break their heart for the people, Lord, that, that all of their spirits would come just such a profound, supernatural love and joy, and Lord, that the presence of God in this place would be so powerful. Thank you for the worship team. Thank you, Father, for worship leaders that carry your presence, and Lord, I just pray for Rob and the team. I ask you, Father, fill them with fresh joy. Fill him with fresh revelation. God, anoint him for the assignment and the rest of the team. Lord, usher in the glory of the Lord into this place. 
Father, thank you for Pastor Keith and Kelly and for the apostolic mantle on their lives. And so, Father, I just pray that you continue to cause them to move in supernatural joy as a team. Lord, that nothing would separate them from the call to love one another and to love this church. Thank you for the culture that's being established, Lord, in the Liberty campuses. And Lord, we just pray, increase your glory. Pour out your love. Pour out your power. Pour out your joy. Lord, we're hungry for you. We sang about it today. Pouring out the Holy Spirit, Lord. Do it in this place. For every leader, Lord, for every member of this family here, thank you for them. Now, Lord, as even as we're holding hands, uh, it is a physical picture of what we want you to do in our hearts, Lord. So we just rebuke the devourer. We thank you for unity. We thank you, Lord, as a team, we're committed to loving each other well and loving you well. Lord, I just pray we drop all the pretenses, all the poses. Lord, let our hearts be real and open. God, may this be a healing well that you birth here. And Lord, let people be transformed by the love they experience in this place. Thank you, Lord, for this family. We bless this beautiful house, Lord. And Father, we just pray now that you enlarge them as they continue to be enlarged by your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Pastor Ian, I'll turn it back over to you, my brother. Man, y'all glad you came to church today? Yeah. Y'all give God and Dr. Ron and his amazing wife one more big hand. Thank you so much, sir. That was, uh, you knocked it all apart. You hit it right on the head. It was a specific, uh, mighty, powerful word. And it's really cool how the Holy Spirit, you invited everybody up here. What uh, we always like to do whenever we have a guest speaker is we like to pray for those that come and and feed us and fill us. And so can we pray for you both? And uh, we'd like to surround you. And uh, we just want to say, uh, come back and see us. Yeah. Amen. Come back and see us. Amen. And, uh, <laughs> amen. Just I-65, right? Straight shot. No shortcuts in Jesus' name. <laughs> oh, Lord, I, I thank you for your joy, God. I, first and foremost, I just thank you for your word. God, it says to give honor where honors do. It says, those that refresh others will be refreshed. It also says we're two or more gathered in my name. God, we're gathered here for no other reason. We're not gathered in the name of Liberty Church or Living Stones Church or, or Pastor Ron or Pastor Keith or Pastor Aaron. We're gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your covering. And I, I thank you for this mighty power couple. Father God, uh, filled with your spirit, with power, a special anointing. Father God, we thank you for the miracle of supernatural growth in Crown Point, Indiana. God, and I just thank you that they're sharper than any double-edged sword. God, you're going to continue to enlarge their territory because they're standing in truth. They're not shying away from truth. God, and it's the truth that's going to break the, the yoke of bondage on those. God, I pray they would be a shiny beacon in their community, Father God, and that they would not just save people. God, they would disciple people, Father God, in the truth, and that those disciples would go and disciple people. God, I thank you for the specific word, God, that we are a people, a creation of relationship. Father God, in Genesis it says it's not good for man to be alone. God, we thank you that you're with us. God, and we thank you for all those that you've gathered around us. God, I pray you would enlarge and strengthen our inner circles. God, that we would be able to overcome offense. God, that we would not choose the shortcuts. We would choose the long and straight and narrow path. God, that we would choose your path. God, and we thank you for that specific word. And Lord, as these get ready to go home and they travel, God, I pray traveling mercies in around them. I, I pray as he was talking about marriage last night that they would just grow closer and even more in love, that they would enjoy the trip, that they would just take their time a honeymoon forever in Jesus' name, and that they would be refreshed as they leave Holly Pond or 
Arab today or tomorrow, whichever. God, and that you would just be with them, that your glory would shine in and about their lives. And as their path is going forward, God, you'd be with them. Lord, so we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Y'all make sure you say hi to these folks before they leave.